You're listening to the Geek Watch Podcast, Episode 82. The end of GameStop? This is the Geek Watch Podcast with Brian Hatcher and Mandy Petrie. Greetings, Geek Watchers, and welcome to episode 82 of the Geek Watch Podcast. I'm Brian Hatcher, and with me, as always, Geek Watch's own resident geek goddess, Mandy Petrie. Salutations, Brian. So today, we're going to cover the good, the bad, and the ugly in geek culture. Uh, Mostly good. (laughs) But before we do that, I've got a little bit of housekeeping that we need to do. This was pointed out to me uh, by a couple of people. Last week, we were talking about Kickstarter and the dangers that Kickstarter has for a lot of us gamers who want to keep our money. (laughs) Now, if you're the type of person who doesn't care about that and... Expendable income. If you've got expendable income, I I will point out that a friend of mine, Tim Phillips, did start a Kickstarter today for his board game called Stacked. It's sort of a... uh, a Jenga meets Tetris. It's a okay. it's a board game. He's been playtesting it for a couple of years now, and uh, it's now out on Kickstarter. So Ooh. if you want to spend some money on a game, you can start there. But why I brought up Kickstarter was last week I was talking about a couple of games that I uh, had uh, backed because I was interested in. And mm-hmm. the first one, of course, being Trial by Trolley. And then you... Yes. Of course, Mandy, you and I got into a philosophical discussion, as we are wont to do. Yes. Uh, so much so, in fact, I didn't mention the second game. <laughs> now, some people didn't notice it, but some people damn well did. So they were like, Brian, what was the second what was game? The other game. Well, Trial by Trolley was so interesting. <laughs> right, right. So basically, what I'm doing is, uh, just to let you know what the second game is, since we didn't mention this, and... I. I feel kind of bad because this is actually a game I think you're going to be interested in. Okay. Because you've been interested in in the past. I have. You have. Uh We've played it before. Bully Uh Pulpit Games has basically, after 10 years of putting out the game they're famous for and and getting questions from people and testing and, and, and all of that, they have now come out with the second edition streamlined version of Fiasco. Oh, okay. Yeah, we've so, played Fiasco yeah, before. Yeah, you basically have dice and a and a sheet. So now you have like a game, a board, and... Yeah, so basically the way this uh, new version of Fiasco is going to play is that instead of using dice, they have... It's now card-based. Okay. And so you're still going to be able to do all the stuff you could do in Fiasco. It's just more streamlined. And it's actually easier and faster to set up and start playing. Mm-hmm. So I saw that and I'm like, well, I'm a huge Fiasco fan. You yeah. and I have played Fiasco more now, than it's once. It's very, very dependent on role playing. So is is that still going to be oh, yes. a big part of it? Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Basically, what they've done is they've streamlined the mechanics to make it easier to execute the mechanics. Mm-hmm. And uh, by making it uh, more card-based than the than using the dice, it makes it easier to get the game set up and ready to go. Okay. So basically, like again, what they did was they talked to a lot of the people who've played the game and have taken suggestions, and they've tweaked the rules. And so now we have this new version that'll come in a box, so it, it looks more like a board game. But, mm-hmm. but the game mechanics have been simplified and streamlined so that you're going to be able to, like I said, get started right away, just lay, lay everything out out and you're ready to go there's not as much setup the turn by turn stuff is a lot cleaner is my understanding and so, so are you still able to download scenarios and well they will be coming plots? out with yeah they're going to be coming out with scenario uh, uh the set that i've got will have four 
different scenarios. Mm -hmm. The scenarios are set up on cards now. But part of the Kickstarter is the ability to print out blank cards. And so what you can do with that is you can take the old sets and you can you can make the cards for them. Okay. And I think eventually the, what they're going to do is I think they're going to actually print out most of the play sets, but that won't be necessary. But what that also allows you to do is that you can mix and match cards now. So you can do sort of a cross-genre game if you want okay so if you want to do a haunted house in space well that's called alien but right but you can do that now mm -hmm. and you can also it allows I think you more event horizon because aliens more like a monster film the fly and the blob and yeah you know. we'll uh have our add moment mm -hmm. uh the reason i consider it a haunted house movie is the point of a haunted house is it allows the monster more avenues of attack because you can't tell where it's coming from mm -hmm. and that's the point of the haunted house. You don't know where the monster is, but they could be anywhere. And that, of course, is certainly the feeling in the first Alien movie. So mm -hmm. to my mind, that's why I consider it a haunted house movie. It's a haunted spaceship movie, but that's mm -hmm. basically what you what you have. Just going. without ghosts. Yeah, exactly. It's a, it's a, it's a monster. <laughs> but uh, pretty much the same thing. So uh, I will uh, trial by trolley and fiasco. I'm supposed to be getting both of those in December. So that's going to be my Christmas. Hooray. Aww. And I'm sure, Mandy, uh, as you play it, you'll, uh, we'll you'll see. have your opinions yeah. on it. We'll, we'll definitely talk about it here on the podcast. Now, a couple of podcasts ago, we talked about uh, uh, when Think Geek closed their doors and their website and GameStop took them over and is going to be doing ThinkGeek type products in their stores. Well, it was just released today. I just saw the news article online. GameStop is going to be closing 180 to 200 stores of uh, their underperforming stores uh, by the end of the year. Right now, they've got 5,700 stores open. So this is, I mean, this is a, a small piece. Now, I suspect that many of those stores are probably here in West Virginia. So, I know of three. So, yeah. um, you know, within like traveling distance, well, what I consider traveling distance, I know of three. So I yeah. figure at least, you know, one or two of those yeah. are going to go. Now, the, the question I have is after these 200 stores, are there, are there any more coming? And I suspect that that's going to be the case. I think this is honestly the first wave of store closings and that it's going to be, this may be the beginning of the end for GameStop. Mm -hmm. Of course, they mostly sell you know, video games, console games. And even the president of GameStop said the world is changing and we need to, we need to pivot. But I really wonder where they're going to pivot to. I mean, where was Blockbuster going to pivot to save their stores? I don't see a place for it. I mean, we are getting to a point now, especially we've been talking for weeks about the, the streaming wars that are coming. But because of the fact that we have all these streaming services now, and there's just so much stuff online, internet's getting faster and faster, there's been a greater demand for it. And because of all the bandwidth that we have now, the necessity of buying physical data to buy a disc or a card or something to put into a machine to play a game, there's no real point to that anymore. I mean, most everything now is downloadable content. I have a machine that's got Windows 10 on it, and I don't own a Windows 10 disc. You know, I work in technology. I've never seen a Windows 10 disc. <laughs> I'm sure they exist. I've just never seen one. Mm -hmm. So basic I'm a floppy disk. <laughs> I'm not saying I'm that old. <laughs> But I am. But, uh, yeah, I mean, the need for physical medium is, I mean, we don't need it anymore. In fact, I mean, how many people buy movies anymore? I mean, you stream movies now. You don't, you don't buy discs, mm -hmm. certainly not as much as you used to. 
And so there's really not a need to go to a store and buy a game. I mean, most everything now is downloadable content. Even games that have, you know, you go buy the physical disc, they're still downloadable content. Mm -hmm. But most games now are going to strict downloadable content. And for gaming companies, that's awesome. I mean, not having this expense of having to design the cover art to buy and press discs. I mean, it's going to be cheaper for them to get games out. And it makes it easier for them also for patches and, and all that stuff. And so where GameStop is going to pivot to save their business, I'm not sure. Not unless they completely change their business model. And I honestly don't think that bringing in Think Geek stuff is going to be the magic bullet to save them. I mean, besides games, they sell a lot of, you know, collectibles and things like that. But the majority of that stuff you can get on Amazon. So why are you going to go to a store? Honestly, I think that this is going to be about the end for GameStop. I'll give them maybe another year, a year and a half. But we'll have to see what happens. Now, this is something else that just broke today that I saw in the news. Warner Media has just cut a massive deal with J.J. Abrams' Bad Robot. Uh, basically, it's a five-year deal for Bad Robot. It'll last until about 2024 at the very earliest. Now, they might redo a deal, and I, I suspect that that'll happen, but this deal will come to an end uh, 2024. And it basically means that Bad Robot is going to be exclusive for Warner Media, which means Warner Brothers Pictures, that'll be HBO, that'll be HBO Max streaming service, and so everything Bad Robot to this point on is going to be through Warner. I mean, keep in mind, if you've never heard of J.J. Abrams and Bad Robot, <laughs> then why are you listening to this podcast? <laughs> of course, they're credited partially with, you know, reviving Star Trek, Star Wars, Mission Possible series, Westworld's intellectual properties, on top of a lot of other things. I got to say, this is a good get. Mm. This is a really good get for Warner Brothers. Having J.J. Abrams and Bad Robot to help them, you know, reboot their franchise. Now, I'm not saying they're going to work on DC, but I can't see that they wouldn't. But having them uh, and having their resources to help get things started for them, it's going to be it's going to be solid. It's, I think this is a really good get for them. I mean, right now Warner Brothers are doing really good in horror, but when you look at think of J.J. Abrams, of course, you also think of Cloverfield. So they can play in that world, too. Eight millimeter. Uh, yeah, exactly. So being able to develop movies and television, I think that this is especially, again, we've been talking about the streaming wars. You know, this may give HBO Max a real boost to make them a real player in the game. Because the only other thing they've got going, of course, is DC Universe, that that streaming service. And there have been rumors going on for a while now that it's not going to last, that they're going to shut down. I don't know if that's true or not. I think a lot of that talk came from the stuff that went on with Swamp Thing, which we, of course, mm -hmm. we talked about on the podcast. But now that we've got Bad Robot, if there are problems with DC Universe, I think they can fix them. Again, I think this is really going to depend upon how much Warner Brothers is, is going to allow Bad Robot and J.J. Abrams to how much autonomy they're going to give them. I think J.J. Abrams certainly has the cachet that Warner Brothers is not going to feel like they're going to need to meddle too much. Let's um, hope. <laughs> yeah, let's hope. But yeah, this is a really good get for Warner Brothers, and it's going to be really interesting to see how this partnership uh, blossoms over the next few months and over the next uh, few years. Something else that I saw today in the news is there was a Deadline interview with uh, James Cameron. Uh, this was during his filming for Avatars 2 and 3. 
And um, they asked him specifically about Avengers Endgame. Now, of course, he's been very magnanimous about... Uh, <laughs> it beating out about, Titanic? Or? About beating out, okay. yeah, and Avatar. And so they kind of pinned him down and they said, what do you think about this? And I found his response to be very interesting. And I have to say, hmm. I, I want to read you a couple of things out of the interview. These are quotes from him. Uh, when I asked him about Endgame beating out Avatar, he said, uh, It gives me a lot of hope. Avengers Endgame is demonstrable proof that people will still go to the movie theaters. The thing that scared me most about making Avatar 2 and 3 was that the market might have shifted so much that it simply was no longer possible to get people that excited about going and sitting in a dark room with a bunch of strangers to watch something. Now, further on in the interview, he said, Will Avatar 2 and 3 be able to create that same kind of success in the zeitgeist? Who knows? We're trying. Maybe we do. Maybe we don't. But the point is, it's still possible. I'm happy to see it. As opposed to an, an alternate scenario where the rapid availability, custom-designed experience that everybody can create for themselves with streaming services and all the different platforms that theater potential might not have existed anymore. And so he basically said that with Endgame getting the success that it had, it basically meant that there was room for him to do the same and that theater isn't dying. People are willing to go out to the theaters, which is good for him. And I think that's a really positive way of looking at it. Mm -hmm. Which I think in, in maybe some other cases, some people would not have been as as positive about it, was able to see what that meant to them, the benefits that that meant, that you could still develop excitement for a movie. But uh, James Cameron, I think, was farsighted enough to, uh, he was able to see the benefits of a movie like that, Endgame doing two, uh, over two million, and that uh, that gave him a possibility of being able to do really well with uh, Avatar 2 and 3, which I suspect that he will. But I thought that was a... Diplomatic. I think it was a, a rare bit of positivity in Hollywood, which we don't get to see that often anymore, to be to be honest. So Now, I, I did get to see a couple of trailers, and I know that you, you got to see the Doctor Sleep, the final yes. Doctor Sleep trailer. Yes. So what did you think? Oh, I mean, it's still everything that we're, you know, I was looking for. You know, a lot of stuff out of the book. We get to see the woman in the top hat, and we see the steam yeah. this time. We see her connection with Abra across, you know, the chalkboards, and we see them, you know, communicating and talking about The Shining. So, obviously, as we've spoken about, so no spoilers here, in the book, the hotel burns. Well, in this movie, they go back to the hotel. So, that's something that people who have read the book are... That's something new that we're going to see uh, that we we didn't get to know before. So that's going to be really that's going to be really cool. <laughs> oh yeah, because apparently they're going to fight in the hotel. Mm -hmm. And we've talked about this before. The plan for the movie was it was going to be a hybrid of the movie and the book, the first movie in the book, and being able to do both of them, and of course to make to make both camps happy with everything. Mm -hmm. I mean, what Stephen King has had to say about uh, about the movie and what he felt about it. I mean, we all the know Shining. about that. Yeah. yeah, about mm -hmm. the original movie although it is definitely a classic for mm -hmm. sure yeah the fact that we're going to be able to meld those two worlds mm -hmm. i think is amazing and yeah what i saw there was was fantastic i also saw the trailer for the uh, new apple plus show c the one with jason momoa oh with the, the blindness over right the, mm -hmm. and so of course you have that it's post-apocalyptic and in the narration at the beginning you know this idea that 
that nature blinded mankind to slow down the destruction of the earth and that, you know, the earth was able to reclaim because of it. Mm -hmm. But now you have uh, these two children that can see, these two infants. And so the plot of this is that uh, sight is evil, uh, considered evil in this uh, modern uh, society. And so they're wanting to kill these children mm -hmm. because they think they're evil. And so Jason Momoa has to save them. And apparently this goes on for a while because I guess in the trailer you get to see the kids a little bit older. And so I guess it's going to be uh, watching these kids grow up and, and come of age and see how what they uh, do to society, basically. You know, now that humans are basically nomadic tribes uh, literally stumbling around in the dark. How do they even explain to the children that they are seeing? Because if it's something that, you know, adults don't understand anymore and trying to explain, you know, this is something we don't have, you know, you're, you can see and no, no one else can. Right. I guess it'd be kind of like, I don't even know how to describe it. Yeah, because how do you describe sight to somebody who has it and you don't? Apparently, it's been generations since human beings had the power of sight. The only thing that they know is it's evil. And if you can see, then it's a bad thing. And you are a danger to the world if you can see. So instead of, instead of thinking that they're crazy... You know, talking about these, you know, I guess visions and stuff. They're they're saying you're evil rather than you're crazy. Right. They're like you. You got to die. Hunts. Yeah. Yeah. If if you can see the light, mm -hmm. you're a terrible person. So, I mean, that definitely looks interesting. I did see another trailer for, and we talked about this for a minute in one of the podcasts for Jojo Rabbit. Well, Jojo Rabbit, it's the Taika Waititi Fox film that. Everybody's nervous about because it's a comedy about Hitler. Oh, yeah. Did we not? I think we may have mentioned it for about a minute. But wait, is this where Hitler is someone's imaginary friend? That's the one. Okay. Yep. Yeah, I've seen that. <laughs> yeah, I've seen that. And so there's a second. There's a, a new trailer that came out a couple of weeks ago or a week or two ago mm -hmm. that I've just seen, and I'm like, this is going to be interesting. Hmm. I'm not sure how. How well it's going to do. I mean, this is daring. I mean, comedies are supposed to be daring. Right now, there's a lot of debate about how daring comedies are allowed to be. and how So we're going Calvin and Hobbes, but <laughs> instead of a tiger, yeah. we're going an evil dictator. Um... We have an evil dictator. We have a kid who's a Hitler youth who's a little bit confused. And then, to make things worse, he goes up in the attic and finds a Jewish girl hiding up in his <laughs> attic. So now what do you do? Well... Yeah, but, uh, and it's a Jewish girl with, since it's a comedy, she has a sense of humor. She goes, do you know what I am? And he goes, a Jew. And she goes, Gesundheit. <laughs> so, you know, we got Taika Waititi, who, who's written this movie, and he's directing it, and he plays Hitler. And we got uh, Scar Joe's in it. Scar Johansson's <laughs> in it, with a German accent. The thing about it is, what's funny about this movie, this was a Fox Searchlight film, and Disney inherited it. So the, the thing is, it's like, well, you know, it's got one of our direct, because, of course, you know, Taika Waititi is directing the two Thor films. He directed, of course, Ragnarok, and he's directing, uh, you know, um, Love and Thunder. And so he's one of their guys, certainly. But now they've got this Hitler movie that they're like, should we? Should we really? You know, uh, it's not a really a Disney film, is it? Now, it's still coming out under Fox Searchlight, but... Uh, yeah, Disney Corporation, they, this is just kind of a weird film for them to have to... Uh, well, I guess, you know, like, uh, the producers, that's a comedy, and then later became a musical, so... Yeah, it's sort of the same situation that uh, Disney finds himself in. They do a comedy, Springtime for Hitler, it starts doing really well, 
And they're like, that's not what we wanted. Of course, uh, Disney isn't trying to put out a movie that tanks, but this movie, you know, like I said, it's... This is one of those taking a risk, definitely, because it's very easy to misconstrue this. And I've already seen, uh, I've seen reviewers watch the trailer and be upset this movie's even coming out. So, ah, you know, reviewers don't have a whole lot of a sense of humor anymore, but this movie desperately needs to be funny and it needs to be funny in the right way Mm -hmm. because it could really tank otherwise. Because if it's not funny, it's really not going to be funny. But this is Taika Watiti, so I have faith in it, and I'm definitely going to see it, and we'll definitely talk about it. I'm glad this is not my decision to make, for sure. I also saw a trailer for The Lighthouse from the uh, people who brought us The Witch. Uh, Robert Pattinson's in it, black and white film, and mm-hmm. it looks it looks uh, and very much shot like a um, you know like a '50s type of a film. Okay, you know it, it kind of has that Universal monster feel to it. But it's got that, you know, the whole cabin fever feeling of being on a rock, being locked up in this lighthouse, you know, nobody being around and, you know, having a duty to do, but also being in a situation where, you know, you can't get out and, you know, you're kind of stuck there and you're just stranded in the middle of nowhere. And wow. I don't know if you've had a chance to, if Mm -mm, you've seen the trailer at all. I have no idea. Now, did you ever see The Witch? No. No. Yeah. So... You got some catching up to do. Okay. But uh, yeah, The Witch was one of those slow burn psychological things, which was polarizing. Some people really liked it. Like I, I really liked it. And, and Kevin, my, our friend Kevin, Polly really enjoyed it. Some people not so much because again, it wasn't the roller coaster ride that most people go to horror movies to see, but it was really good. Mm-hmm. And it was very much like The Lighthouse Now. It was a, a sort of an isolation. I mean, this was about a family who was cast out of their community. They never say exactly why that happened, but uh, they were cast out. So they're building a, a house in the middle of the woods away from everybody. And so they're isolated. And so when weird things start to happen, they don't really have anybody to turn to. And so Lighthouse is definitely the same thing. Definitely uh, looking forward to seeing I mean, and because it's black and white and it's probably going to be a slow burn, it's probably going to play more like an indie film mm-hmm. i don't know how popular it's going to be but uh i want to see more films like it for sure and so we'll definitely check that out let's talk some streaming war stuff because hey you know it's the geek watch podcast and we always got to talk about the streaming wars apple tv just announced uh, they are going to be because uh, we talked about c and we talked about some other shows that are coming out. The morning show. The or... morning show. Mm-hmm. We may have I may have already mentioned one small step. I think is what it's called. It, oh, is that about how the Russians got to the moon first? Right. Yeah. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. coming out. Alternate and, history. And there's some other really interesting things coming out. Uh, Dickinson's. It is a uh, telling of uh, young Emily Dickinson. Oh yes, yeah, I so, have seen stuff for that. Yeah. Yeah. So there, Apple TV Plus will be coming out November the first, and the cost. Four ninety nine a month. Hmm. So it's like, how are they? And we talked about this before. They're spending million uh, million dollars an episode for every show that they're doing, and they're doing a bunch of shows, million dollars an episode, and they're charging four dollars and ninety nine cents a month for their service. But they are putting things out weekly. They're not putting everything out, you know, in one blow. So True. you have to be in it for the long run. What, 10 episodes in a season? So right. you're at least in there for three months. Yep, that's true. Mm-hmm. Which is. 15 bucks. I mean, think about it. That's 15 bucks. And uh, basically what they're doing, as far as I can tell, 
what Apple's doing is they're basically uh, doing the reverse of what I, I guess a lot of game consoles do. Game consoles, anytime that you buy an Xbox or a PS4 or anything like that, you've cost the company money because okay. it costs them more to make those things than they're charging for them. So anytime you buy an Xbox, Microsoft has lost money on it. But if they can get an Xbox in your home, then they can make money off of the games that you buy. So they're making okay. their money back by selling you games. And because you have an Xbox or a PS, a PS4, you need the games. And so they've basically built a market. And so they're willing to take a loss. Taking a loss on certain things is, is nothing new. I mean, Amazon, very often, a lot of the stuff that they sell at a discount, sometimes they take a loss on some of that as well. But by keeping you on their platform, they you know eventually do make their money back. And so they can afford to take a loss in certain certain areas so that they can make a profit in other places. And I think what Apple Plus is doing is by putting out the content so cheaply, I guess what they're planning on doing is uh, selling, you know, the Apple TV boxes and possibly making making their money that way. You know, I just bought an Apple TV box. Uh, I got it sitting uh, sitting behind me right now, a little simple box. And I didn't buy it just for Apple Plus or even to do Apple Plus, although I'm probably going to wind up doing it. I mean, that's the thing. To take part in the streaming wars and watching all this streaming content, you need some sort of a platform to watch all of it and to watch it conveniently. Now, all of it's available on your PC, but I just don't want to sit at my desk and watch things. So I did wind up getting an Apple TV, and I don't regret it. There is so much stuff. Of course, I mean, you get all the streaming, everything streaming that you can imagine, all the stuff we've talked about before. I mean, Apple Plus is obviously going to be available for it uh in November, but you know, Netflix, you can do Amazon, you can watch YouTube, all of that stuff's available. And one thing I didn't know until I got the Apple Plus or the Apple TV is that a lot of the things that uh, a lot of the uh, online classes stuff that I do, master class, the great courses uh, online, Udemy, a lot of those courses, I, there are apps on Apple TV to stream them. So now I got all of that stuff on my TV. It's, it's very much simplified everything for me. And uh, since I've had it, I uh, have started watching The Dark Crystal in Carnival Row. That's been my go-to for the last few days. Uh, every Excellent. What are you thinking of Dark Crystal? I'm really enjoying it. Mm -hmm. now, now, with Carnival Row and Dark Crystal, I'm basically watching... What I'll do is I'll watch Dark Crystal, and then I'll watch Carnival Row. Mm -hmm. And so I'm three episodes into both of them at this point. Switch hitting. Yeah. yeah. It's a bit of a culture shock for sure. <laughs> uh, it's, I mean, they're both fantasies, but they're both, they're different. Mm -hmm. And I know that you've seen all of the Dark Crystal at this mm -hmm. point, but you've only seen two episodes of Carnival Row. Right. Mm -hmm. You definitely need that third episode. Yeah. Uh -huh. The moment you get to watch that, because I don't want to say a whole lot about it, obviously. Okay. Well, so far from like you know, what I see, if you want violence... Go to Dark Crystal, because Dark Crystal is pretty dark. <laughs> yes. Yeah, and if you want adult fun, definitely Carnival Row yeah. is there. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's a lot of story development, and you get a lot of what happened in the past. It's Episode three, for the most part, is a flashback of the war that was going on. Mm -hmm. And, you know, how our two main characters wound up meeting, and uh, a lot of fascinating stuff. And you also, you get to learn some secrets. More than one, actually. 
<laughs> it's about secrets and things like that, and uh, there's a lot of good stuff, and it's definitely something that eventually that you and I are, are going to have to talk about for sure. So I'm ready. I'm ready for the streaming. Bring it on. Ooh. So, and of course, it's uh, there will be a lot of it uh, coming up because you know, obviously, I'm going to for Creep Show will be coming out this month, and so Shutter will definitely be part of my package. I'll be getting that. And uh, that just gives us plenty to watch and plenty to talk about. Lots coming up. Okay, let's end it with a movie that I saw this weekend, It Chapter 2. And uh, we're going we're gonna to make this non-spoiler. We're not going to go into too many spoilers. Now, I know you haven't seen it. So we'll, we're going to do this pretty vaguely. Like I said, I don't want to have a whole lot of spoilers. But uh, I will say that it was pretty much what I expected. Okay. I did very much enjoy the movie. I did. And a lot of the things that I wanted to see in the movie, I got to see. There were some things that I expected to see in the movie that I, and I won't say expected. I, there were certain things in the movie, I'm like, how are they going to do that? Let me let me say that there, there were some places I thought they could go, they didn't go. But there are certain things from the book that wound up wound up in this movie, specifically. Okay. Um, that uh, I didn't expect. That where it plays clo- uh, closer to the book than mm-hmm. the, than the mini- miniseries, right? Although there's a lot of nods for the miniseries in the movie and 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 it chapter two, and there's some great cameos in there too, huh. more than one actually. Okay, and I don't want to mention what they are. Some if you've been online, you probably know about one uh, at least one of them. But uh, I really did enjoy the movie. Uh, I can see where some people might say that. Wow, this is a long movie because it's almost three hours. Uh-huh. And I have to, I have to say, some people said this, and I have to agree. I did enjoy uh, the first movie more than I enjoyed this one. Okay, because the first movie was just better constructed, I think. But at the same time, you look at the book. The stuff with the kids is always more. It was more interesting than the adults. Mm-hmm. And the, I would say most of the problems with it, chapter two. The problems with the movie were the pro- were the same problems you had with the book, mm. because the kids are are definitely more interesting. Now, there's things they developed in the movie that that I think made the adult story more interesting, but it's not cooler than the kid stuff. And we talked about this last week. Uh, you know, the de aging of the kids. Yeah, it wasn't really that distracting. I have to say. Oh. Um. I mean, probably Finn Wolfhard. They had to work the hardest on. To de-age him because he's changed the most, I think. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, they had to pretty much do that with everybody. And I mean, you can definitely tell because if you see uh, if you see uh, Sophia Lillis, who played the the young uh, Beverly Marsh, I saw a trailer for her in a movie she's in now called uh, Gretel and Hansel. Oh, uh, I know she did Nancy Drew, but yeah. Mm-hmm. So, and you can tell she's grown. Mm-hmm. I mean, she's not quite an adult yet, but you mm-hmm. can you can definitely tell a difference between what she looks like now and what she looked like a couple of years ago. But mm-hmm. yeah, kids grow up fast. That's just yeah. kind of the way that it works. But uh, there was some stuff with the kids in there that I thought was really interesting. I think it probably would have saved them a lot of effort and time and and uh, CG expense if they would have went ahead and filmed those things with the kids are, uh, when they had them for the first movie. Oh, yeah. mm-hmm. uh, that probably would have saved them uh, a great deal. So it sounds like that the second movie was structured much like the book was, the constant back and forth. Right. Back and forth. Yeah, yeah. where in the first movie you're just with the kids, obviously, but mm-hmm. with the second one, yes, there's a lot of back and forth going on to kind of fill in some places that they didn't really dive into in the first movie like for example if you remember in the book the clubhouse Mm -hmm. you never see the clubhouse in the first movie but you do see it here okay and it does play a part in the second movie and so 
One thing I will definitely say about the movie is there's a certain revelation between Beverly and Ben that in the miniseries, it just kind of happens. But in the movie, it happens at a very crucial moment where basically it's... And again, I don't want to go into too much detail because I don't really want to go into spoilers for this. But it happens at a moment when it really needed to happen. And it was a... Honestly, it was a really beautiful moment, I have to say. So I would definitely say it's, it's worth a watch. It's definitely worth checking out. And like I said, we wanted to go spoiler-free on this, but we are going to do a spoilerific review on this. <laughs> and it's going to be our uh, inaugural episode of Brian Ruins a Movie. And uh, if you want to check that out, it's going to be a patron-only broadcast. You'll be able to see this on patreon.com slash geekwatch. And it's going to be, uh, it's part of the beginning of a lot of uh, new content we're going to be creating for Patreon. And so if you're interested in, interested in it, check it out uh, at patreon.com slash geekwatch. Say it one more time. You have to say it three times. Oh, uh, exactly. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I have to look into a mirror when I say it. Uh. But it's patreon.com slash geekwatch. <laughs> and so with that said, we come to the end of episode 82 of the Geekwatch podcast. Thank you for listening and tune in next week for the latest in geek news and views with the Geekwatch podcast. For Mandy Petrie, this is Brian Hatcher, reminding all the geek watchers out there, we're all geeky about something. Be proud of yours. See you next time. Thank you for listening to the Geek Watch Podcast. If you enjoyed this program, don't forget to like and subscribe on your preferred platform and share this podcast on your social media. For links to all the ways you can listen to the Geek Watch Podcast, as well as leave comments and suggestions, visit our website at geekwatch.net. The Geek Watch Podcast is a Hanging J production.